We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are now on a Wednesday, March 8th edition of the show. Thanks for stopping by. Obviously, want to get to the mock draft. We're going to get to that in just a bit. A dueling mock draft between myself and Pete Smith. A lot of great stuff in there. If you're a draft person or want to talk free agency, that's all there coming up. But I wanted to do a soft open on the Lamar Jackson story because this is huge NFL news. And obviously, it just it's a division rival. It pertains to us quite a bit, figuring out where the Ravens are going to be in the future. Before we do so... Uh, kind of dig into Jackson here, it's important to go through the sort of background of everything here. Now, again, you might go to different NFL pods for NFL news. You probably only come here for Browns news. But if you do come here every day and check in, I think it's important to just kind of go through what's going on. So, like, Lamar's situation is is intricate, right? Because he doesn't have an agent. So it's all him and I believe his mother are doing uh, the bargaining here, uh, you know, the negotiations. So it's been different. It's been going on for a long time. And that's why I didn't think anything was going to change today, and, and it didn't. So the the tag that I think most of us thought would happen, which is the the non-exclusive tag, was placed on Jackson at about 3.30. So there's caveats to this. Obviously, the exclusive tag is non-negotiable in terms of other teams having a chance to have a crack at you. You get paid $45 million or so, which is the average of the top quarterback salaries, and you play on that number, right? The the non-exclusive is is completely different because there's caveats to this, right? So Lamar can now go out and pursue a contract from another organization and sign it, but the Ravens have options. So the Ravens can match any offer put in front of Jackson that he does agree to, and then it's off, right? If the Ravens do not decide to match, then the um, other, you know, the, the team that is signing Jackson has to obviously award him the contract that they offered and had signed, but they also have to give up two first-round picks. Now, the timing thing is interesting here because some teams, I mean, you can wait until after the draft, Right, so you can wait until after the draft to do this, and then the draft picks would go in the next two drafts. So maybe you think your team is going to be, you know, you got a pick you want to use this year. Think your team's going to be much much better with Lamar Jackson. We're not going to have high first round picks, is what you would presume. And then uh, at that point, you could you know go out and feel more comfortable over the next two years, whatever, whatever. It's just important to know that teams with two first round picks, 
obviously going to be very into it, right? Like the Lions could be very into this sort of trade. But I think the thing that surprised me the most as we look at the decision here is what happened after, right? Because Jackson doesn't have to sign this contract uh, with the Ravens, this is non-exclusive one, until well into camp or well into the season. He could hold that whole thing over their head, right? Like, it, I think it goes into the season before he has to sign it. I'll have to sharpen up on some of these things, but it can drag on for a while. I think what's interesting to me is is like how the NFL is going to react because we all thought if a non-exclusive tag hit, you know, Baltimore and, and Lamar, this this is the end. It signed the end. But the reaction after the non-exclusive tag was just quite as unfathomable to me. Like several teams publicly came out right after the tag happened and said that they're not going to pursue Jackson. Which is amazing to me. A 26-year-old MVP can MVP winner, you know, obviously if you look at the Ravens closely like I didn't watch them, their complete lack of weapons. Greg Roman, a, a, an offensive coordinator that really was meant to tie down the quarterback and take things out of his hands when it was pretty clear that the Ravens wanted uh, that Lamar wanted more opportunity. And you can't say that he can't handle it. like we, we just watched Jalen Hurts do things take the Eagles to the Super Bowl, RPO variations and different stuff. Like he can do this stuff. Like Lamar Jackson can easily do this stuff. He's won an MVP in the league. And and if you watch him, yeah, he's not an aesthetically pleasing throw of the football, but he can get the job done. Certainly can get it done as well in jail as well as Jalen Hurts. So you got to slow down. Some of the slander I saw today was downright unfathomable. Like acting like Lamar just can't throw again. Yeah. Maybe he's had a couple of less impressive years than his MVP season, but he was still good enough. And he was good last year until the whole murkiness of his injury happened and how they treated him, and it got kind of strange, right? The relationship is clearly strained between these two teams, but it's just amazing to me, and it feels a little bit funky, if I'm being honest, the way the NFL had teams, again, quickly, Atlanta, a team who was all in on, on Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson last year, all in, publicly all in, publicly known that they would move the world to get him, and, and after the Browns gave the guaranteed contract, Noted to have said they would have also done that had given the opportunity. So that's interesting. Desmond Ritter's your answer. You're coming out publicly saying that. Other teams that came out publicly and said something, the Commanders, the Raiders, the Panthers, like the Miami Dolphins came out and said they're committed to Tua. Like the timing of this is so strange. You didn't have to directly name Lamar Jackson. You could have said at any moment in the past month and a half, no matter what quarterback hits the market, realistically, we're committed to this quarterback. We are committed to these guys. It's just like all of a sudden today, right after this tag, there's a bunch of these tweets, like tweets claiming they're, these teams are satisfied at quarterback. Really? I mean, what's the equivalent in the NBA of this guy hitting the open market? Joel Embiid, you know, a primary play, MVP candidate, MVP winner who can carry a franchise. You think Joel Embiid, like Joel Embiid hit the market? You'd have like the team with the fifth pick. I don't know who that'll be. Charlotte Hornets. Being like, yeah, actually, we're good. We like the direction we're going. We don't want that guy. Like, it's it's kind of it's it's blew, it blew my mind. Well, I mean, it doesn't blow your mind if you think about this situation in terms of like Lamar clearly is chasing guaranteed dollars. It's been pretty well known that he's chasing a Deshaun Watson level contract, and it's also been pretty clear on the other side of things that the owners hated what the Browns did, hated what the Browns gave Watson, hated the idea of these guaranteed contracts. So there's two things at, at play here. Maybe some owners just don't have the money to do it. Lamar says I want a two hundred forty million dollar guaranteed contract. You got to put that into escrow. You got to have that money. It's got to be. You got to be liquid. And maybe some owners can't do what Jimmy Haslam could do, and that that immediately cuts out some teams like the Carolina uh, Panthers or 
uh, the Dolphins or I don't know, the Commanders with Daniel Snyder. I don't know the financials of these guys, but like that could realistically eliminate some teams. We just can't afford it. Can't do that. It's impossible for us. Can't throw that into escrow. But it's just, it feels like to me the way teams were willing to move heaven and earth last year for Deshaun Watson to not do the same things, and so many come out publicly and say they're content with their quarterback situations, which are not good. Listen, hey man, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, hey, fun, quarterback class. None of those guys are guarantees. There's not a Andrew Luck in this class, and there's not Trevor Lawrence sitting there. So for you to sit here and act like you're fine, or, or this quarterback class is eliminating the need, like last year's terrible quarterback class, to go do this sort of thing, that's bananas to me. It's absolutely bananas to me that you would that that's the direction that these teams would go. There's more quarterback options. Come on, that's ludicrous. So I'm just saying, like, you look at Lamar, people are like, well, he's injury prone. Well, is Dak Prescott as injury prone as you label Lamar Jackson in this scenario? I mean, Deshaun Watson tore two ACLs before his arrival in Cleveland and the contract he received. So, like, I'm just saying there's something going on here. There's something fishy. And we're going to see more learn more, figure out more in the next, you know, month and a half, two months. Maybe this goes past the draft. Who knows? It's just very strange. And it feels like the owners are coming together to deny the ability of players to stop the trend, right? One player, Deshaun Watson, that's an outlier. That's a desperate team, air quotes, desperate team like the Browns. Multiple players getting that kind of contract. That's a trend. And then it starts to get dangerous because that is one place. The NFL doesn't tilt the scales a lot because the salary cap keeps everything in line. But the ability to put certain dollar figures in escrow with guaranteed contracts is something that is not the same owner to owner and could start to meander from a lot of uh, competitive balance. That's a way to um, a, a tip the scale situation for competitive balance that, that we're not probably not talking about enough because guaranteed dollars matter. A lot of these contracts are built first two years, three years where the money is. The back half years are just sort of suggestions. So... Lamar is in a very weird spot. We talk about the outlier of a situation, what led to Deshaun, ja- sorry, Deshaun Watson's money situation last year, how the contract worked out. Lamar feels like he might have to fight a crusade here. He could really have to fight a crusade here, and maybe he doesn't end up winning it, and that would suck. Kind of Similar to Colin Kaepernick, didn't win his because he never played again. It stinks. I don't think that's going to be the situation. Lamar Jackson will play somewhere. And, of course, there's a very real possibility he plays for just $32 million for the Ravens, which would be bananas. But, like, this is a really important NFL situation and feels like it's it's teetering on the brink of some chaos here because of the way the reaction came out. So we will keep our pulse on this in the coming weeks. We're going to shift over now to the dueling mock draft with Pete Smith. I think it's really good. A lot of players we talked about both use PFF simulators. Stick around for that if you would like. Like I said, we'll have some smart guests on in the coming weeks and talk more about Lamar. And obviously, free agency is really close. So continue to check out the OBR for all that content, free agency stuff, and decisions the Browns make. It's going to be a chaotic two weeks here in the middle of March. Pumped about it, though. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Thanks for checking out today's show. Now, shifting over to the OBR's Twitch dueling mock draft show. Myself, Pete Smith. Enjoy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everybody, what's happening? Welcome in to our first dueling mock draft show of the year. We have been pretty patient on these because it's really futile to do these before tags get pushed out. Obviously, it's tough to do them before testing data finds itself surface. Now, we don't have the testing data of everything we need on prospects, but we do have a better feel after the combine for a lot of these guys. So I think we've got enough here to do relatively accurate mock drafts. These will get better as we go through the next few weeks, right? You know, there's the OBR. We're doing these things every day, presenting as many prospects to you as we can. I know uh, I'm joined here by Pete Smith, the best eye Browns digest. Pete does uh, his own mocks, which are a lot more calculated, less, uh, less than daily uh, mock drafts as, as some of the other sites put out more uh, of those. And really, you know, what, what we're trying to do with these is introduce to you plausible draft targets, um, you know, in these drafts, right? That's the whole thing is introducing you to names so that when you go into the draft a couple months from now, you have a, uh, a firm idea of who these prospects are that the Browns might be interested, so on and so forth. So what we're going to do here is I'll do my own mock draft. If you forget from last year, Pete will do his own mock draft. And it's just an exercise in talking through prospects and why one draft goes one way and one draft goes the other. It's fun to kind of do these back-to-back and talk through different ideas and outcomes. So, Pete, welcome in, man. Thanks for joining us. I know, uh, I know these are a bit time-consuming, so we appreciate your time. Uh, this is way faster than if I did it myself. So I'm all for it. I love it. Well, listen, we talked a little bit ahead of time and went through some prospects that we would add. So that will be at the bottom of your screen. So, you know, when the next two, three weeks, we'll get an actual accurate idea of who the Browns will be adding via free agency or trades. And, uh, that will present us with a more accurate look at the roster. But for this simulation, we can't uh, pretend that the Browns are not going to be signing free agents. So we wanted to make some additions prior to the draft. You see them there. Edge Demarcus Walker uh, is our first name listed. So he will come over to play Edge coming over from Tennessee. Obviously familiar with shorts. Sheldon Rankins will be our three tech. Ashawn Robinson, we're doubling up on IDL, will be our inside shade. My, uh, Anthony Walker comes back and Mike, and then we go after Juan Thornhill to make a little bit of a splash there at free safety. So we're going into both of our mock drafts here with a similar idea of uh, stuff ahead of time. So – that part of it is, um, you know, it's there. It's 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 important that we're on the same page. Pete, 
what about these guys do you like? You don't have to go through every one of them, but there's certainly the idea here of two, uh, an edge of some variety, right? And then a couple defensive tackles. And I think we are pretty aligned on that. So anything you want to add on those people that we brought in? Yeah, my thought process, and, and one I hope the Browns are going to adopt, and it at least seems reasonable, is I think they are better off trying to sign as many Jacoby Brissett's as possible as opposed to one or two Jadavian Clownies. Get guys who see the Browns as an opportunity, are bought into what you want to do, and they may provide extra because they're professional and are you know bought into the team concept or whatever, as, a, as opposed to luring a potentially a, a big bigger free agent who then it, whether it, whether it's injury or whatever suddenly isn't there and you're you're sitting there with a massive hole on your team. I think because of how the Browns have drafted defensively, and you can quibble with certain things they've done. They have enough pieces on that side of the ball where you can go, yeah, obviously Miles Garrett is a cornerstone player. You're hoping hoping Denzel Ward's going to bounce back and be a, a big-time player again. You're hoping that JOK is going to bounce back and have a good year. Um, Grant Delpit had a great second half of last year, and you've got just a lot of these guys you brought in, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson, and you don't necessarily need, as much as you'd like, you don't necessarily need to get, you know, impact free agents to make this thing work uh work out and, and make this defense work and, and that's the bottom line the browns don't get me wrong everybody would love if the browns had a top five defense but everybody would be thrilled if the browns had a consistent top 15 defense that doesn't then you know go in the tank in certain games and just lose out their mind this the goal is more professionals more veteran leadership that sort of picks up some of these other guys and, and that's why i think anthony walker is going to a Big, big, big deal for the Browns. Uh, they put so much on his plate last year, unfairly, but clearly he was a big deal to them, and he seems very intent on coming back. So that's that's the one that seems the easiest to get done. There is uh, a lot to be said for this idea of bringing in just more professionals, not splashy names. And although I think you know, I think by the time free agency really gets here, Juan Thornhill will be pretty heavily pursued. I know that's the one that you went a little back and forth on mentally there. Uh, for for a fun simulation, we can bring in Juan Thornhill. There are cheaper options, but they do just need to bring in a series of professionals to lift the basement of this team, to get some solidified positions. And I don't think it's going to be crazy for them to be pushing out in front of where they were last year for a myriad of reasons, to your point there, obviously included, which is just elevating certain positions that will have a ripple effect on the rest of the roster. So uh, that's the list. You see them in front of you. Again, Demarcus Walker, Sheldon Rankins, Sean Robinson, Mike uh, Anthony Walker. We play in Mike linebacker, come back, and then Juan Thornhill at free safety. So we both go into these drafts with a similar outlook. And here we go. Let's uh, let's throw yours up first, Pete. Uh, if you want to zoom in, I think it, it works a little better if you zoom just a, just a, up to 125 there if you can. It, it might do a little bit better. But, yeah, let's talk through. You're at pick 42. I will put mine to pick 42 as well, so we're not staring at something that's not important. But, yeah, talk me through maybe guys picked around you or who's on the board that you're most interested in. Well, see, this is where I differ with most people. So many people want wide receiver at this spot. I don't. Uh, the Combine did nothing but confirm that opinion for me, um, that not only do some of the guys that might go at this pick or that might be targets for the Browns at this pick sort of have holes, but you also saw enough – from the guys who are sort of thought of as late day two or early day three guys that really closed the gap. So you can, 
make the case maybe that you know some of these other guys are better enough to grab them here, but it really feels like that grouping is sort of flattened out enough where if you don't take a guy at 42 and you wait till 98, you're probably still going to get a guy who wants who, who addresses what you want to do. And in particular, this, re- this receiver class has the one thing the Browns seem to be very determined to get, which is speed. There's no shortage of guys who can run fast. It's just a question of finding the right one. So to me, the thing the Browns have to do the mo- do most of all is find a long-term solution across from Miles Garrett. And there's only two ways that's going to happen, draft or trade. Either way, it's going to cost mm-hmm. draft picks. And – you know, in our free agency, we, we, you know, signed a bunch of guys that give you a nice foundation, but miles Garrett had what 45% of the team's sacks last year, which is embarrassing. I mean, it's great for miles, but they got nothing out of that. So for the Browns, it's about getting somebody who's going, who's going to come in. And if you have all these other guys, so, you know, with the Marcus Walker and Alex, uh, uh, Alex, uh, third rounder from last year coming and potentially Isaiah Thomas, you can, you have enough size. You have enough guys who can theoretically give you uh, the ability to stop the run and give you some versatility to move up and down the line. What you need is a guy who's coming in is their first job, second job and third job is to get the quarterback. The way this worked out, there's three guys that jump out at me. Uh, I think they're all Nigerian, which is right in my wheelhouse. Felix and and Adike Uzama from Kansas State. I think he's a little bit safer than maybe BJ, BJ Ojolari, although I love BJ Ojolari's game. His ability to penetrate is unbelievable, and he's an artist at getting in the backfield. But what we saw this past week is Eddie Tamiwa Edebaware from Northwestern tested like a just an absolute freak of nature. And it's well, the Ravens had him test as a linebacker, which is wild. Like they had him doing drills as a linebacker. That that tells you how athletic that guy is. And it's unfair to suggest that like he came out of nowhere. Like if you watch his tape, he was good mm-hmm. for Northwestern. And if you especially if you watch Ohio State, he terrorized Ohio State. His his pursuit speed is unbelievable. Just trying to think of this from Jim Schwartz's standpoint, I could see and make an argument for any of these three because that that's really the question. Uh, and 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 DK Uzama and Ojulari are easy guys to go. Put him in the wide nine. And go get the quarterback. I, for me, I just can't help but wonder if they if the Browns aren't going to find out. You mentioned the Ravens tested him at linebacker. If they're not afraid to put a 282 pound freak with natural leverage to out there, and then because it's Jim Schwartz, give him the ability to move him up and down the line. So you know you get in situations where it's an obvious passing down. You put him right next to Miles Garrett, and you let them go hard off of one side. I. I Mm-hmm. It's tantalizing. I'm curious to see if it works. I think he gives you potentially a lot of what Jadevian Clowney was supposed to give you last year and gave you in 2021, but may have a little bit more there. Uh, he's not a super refined pass rusher. That's sort of the question with him, but just upside everything else. <laughs> I'm very curious. They're all 21 or uh, Ojolari's not even 21. So I'm going to go with uh, Edibaware. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like should mention, I, I don't think. Although I should mention, I think the you know if the Browns are in this situation, I, whether it's the first couple of picks, I think they're going to try to trade down. I just, I think they are going to go into this draft with the thought of we need to get some more picks for twenty twenty five. And I and I will say real quick to your point, spots that make the most sense to trade down, not just to move to twenty four, 
But if they were to double up, say they were frustrated about the 42, I want to make this clear to people, the 42 to 98 jump, which is a long time to wait, right? That's a long mm-hmm. gap between picks. If they did want to move down and create flexibility, three teams stand out to me. Um, let me see if I can find them real quick. So the first one that stands out to me, you're looking at tra- draft value charts. That's Denver, 67 and 68. So if they were to say come up for 67, 68 for 42 and 126, or you could you could start the offer at 142, something along those lines. I mean, the first thing you're saying is, are you giving both of those for 42? They'll say no. You'll have to throw in something later. But that's a spot where a team like Denver, hungry for a player at 42, could come up. Another team that is sitting with two picks in that range, 62 and 94, that's a bigger drop. You could probably maybe get Philly to offer up something in next year's draft as a means to maybe move back and have something with two picks in between there. And then the other one that I've spotted a lot is Dallas, who has 58 and 90 as a spot to jump up, give you another pick inside of pick 98 and have options. We're not going to trade in this one. I think it's very fair to point out that they're they're very likely to trade. They're not going to take this many guys. But um, I just kind of have been meaning to put that on record spots that I think present a team coming up, giving them two picks between. And I continue to look at Denver if they're hankering for somebody at 42 they strike me as a team that you can take advantage of. I do like throwing up questions from the group um, anytime somebody has some. I think it, the, the chances questions about Frank Clark recently released by the Chiefs, but I think this goes beyond that, Pete, and we're going to see some more guys released in the coming days, uh, Leonard Floyd types. Are the veteran type 30-ish years old pushing that range? Do, do you have an interest in those types of guys, or are you really trying to do what you mentioned just a minute ago and trying to – go through the draft to solve this thing. That's that's kind of a curiosity question because, yeah, I mean, like, you could obviously say you can get Demarcus Walker, who I like among some other guys in that range I like too. But do you see them trying to, I guess, Davenport it, splash, sign somebody opposite Miles? Kind of like Clowney was, right? Because Clowney was a yeah. splashier signing when they brought him in. Do you see them going down that route? Or do you think this – because it seems to me there's a lot of these Frank Clark types that are creeping up on boards, uh, you know, put into free agency – it's just an interesting little spot here uh, for them to. They, there's a lot of depth at edge. I mean, there just there is a lot of names here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting that like you know we talked about the the 2022 season. All these people are super disappointed, and and part of my thought process was just wait, is because a whole bunch of teams that didn't make it were going to implode and just blow the thing up. Tennessee blowing it up. The Rams blowing it up. Tampa Bay blowing it up. Ravens maybe. Um, that suddenly now you have a lot of these great options and like the, the position that stands out the best for this is Mike linebacker. There are a thousand Mike linebackers available, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully, you know, I think that just makes it easier for them to send Anthony Walker. But to your point with edge price is everything. Um, if the, if the right opportunity comes along, you know, I think Leonard Floyd could be an interesting option from that standpoint. Then maybe um, I, I think because of the, the, I guess we'll call it sacrifices they made last year by cheaping out and having Jadavion Clowney be as bad as he was. They've got themselves enough like depth already. Like I look at, to me, I look at the guys they got last year in the draft as depth. Perrion Winfrey uh, and the two ends are depth to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that, you now have some options Uh, to me. I, I, you know, ultimately I, I think drafting is probably your best one, but look, if Leonard, you know, if if Leonard Floyd says no, I really want to play with Deshaun Watson, which is going to be a factor, um, and I'm willing to do it for this much money, or or you know, I really want to play with Jim Schwartz, 
you know, if the price is right, great. And, you know, they could still do both. Uh, there's enough edge talent in this class where you could, you could keep hitting it for both ends. But do I think it's likely that that's going to happen? I don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, you know, um, speaking of the Chiefs, if Leonard Floyd just goes right there for, or, or something along those lines. But, yeah, it, the price is everything. Yeah, looking at um, a couple of these guys, like, you know, with, with who's on the board, Felix Sanadike Ozoma didn't test uh, a lot of things that uh, we were hoping to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't test a 40. He didn't do much at all at the combine. So we don't really have an athletic feel for him yet. I, I like him too. A little more bigger, bigger body type, less bendy. Um, for the sake of difference, uh, I traded back to 58 for today's mock at the Hill BR and, and took Addy because, you know, he's just he's, yeah. a, he's a whole hell of a lot of fun. He's a whole hell of a lot of fun. Um, you know, I don't think he's going to be there at 58, which is the trade. Neither do I, but I've, 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 him, I've exploited that loophole myself. Oh yeah, I like I like that loophole. PFF's closing the loophole a bit, but um, you can see his average draft position is starting to creep up. It was really high. It's always fun to look when he's starting where you're going. I'm going to take Ojolari. Very bendy. You want to talk about a guy who, you know, if your job, his primary job for different types, is to get after the quarterback. There's a lot to like, man. He's not very big, right? He's only came in. I think he, a little 250 was a bit surprising to it, me. If that was his official, under, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little bigger than what I think a, a lot of people thought. I want to pull up some of his testing numbers to see. He, he um, only he only jumped, and his vertical is not very is not. Well, I wouldn't say problematic, but wasn't very good. Let's see. Yep, pulling it up real quick. So we we got to get a little bit more. Yeah, his broad his broad was ten oh six. I don't know why they're not listing a vertical. I think it was thirty two. Thirty two and a half. Okay. Yeah, he had, they have his broad as being really elite over ten feet there, but yeah, not, he, he's uh, fine on that. Um, yeah, so we'll get those thresholds, but those are two guys, I think, and you throw in Felix and Adikas. And I would say, Pete, you've studied it too. Like, this edge class is pretty good. Like, D tackles, lukewarm. Uh, wide receiver certainly has some second, third, fourth round depth, but the, I think the edge class is the one that stands out. Uh, tight end, maybe on offense, you're talking about that group, but like, to me, it's it's certainly edge, corner, and tight end are like your, your better position groups, I would say, in this one. Yeah, and with Ojolari, what I would look at one, I, I love the way you know. Uh, part of it scares scares you how he, how willing he is to throw his body around. He will dent full on at two two forty whatever he was at LSU. He's not afraid to do mm-hmm. that. But the, the games that you watch where he stands out and and you really see how good he is are Alabama, where he terrorizes Bryce Young. Even though it, to be fair, it's it's LSU's whole defense does a great job with him, but he's just so problematic for, with his speed that it makes Bryce Young nervous, including forcing a, a red zone interception and then Florida. So who does he, who are those matchups against Bryce Young and Antonio Richardson? He gets both of them and it, it it's helpful to see those type of matchups. And certainly he's played some, some good competition. I think he's held his own. I, I think people will knock him and say he doesn't have a lot of power. I, I would argue that, he may not have a ton of power necessarily, but he doesn't he doesn't wilt either. He will at least hold his ground and at least try to position himself correctly to <laughs> reduce the bleeding, so to speak, as a run defender. So, I mean, he he's tremendous. Let me go with you real quick before you get to your next pick. So, two guys we're talking about there. Felix just turned – he just turned 21. B.J. Ojolari turns 21 this month. Addy's 22. Do you have any fear about them not taking somebody that's 22 at that spot? I mean, 22 to me is fine, but I'm just curious if, like, we start to see them move off of some of these things in a way like 
the 22, 23-year-old type. Because, uh, listen, we, we've seen leading into this, um, you know, Will McDonald's a very popular player pegged to the Browns, and he's, he's 24. He's old. So I don't think they're going that crazy here. But there is a question of, like, when you don't have a first-round pick and your first pick's in the second round, maybe you move back like they did last year. Martin Emerson's a third-rounder. Where do you think the threshold kind of sits here? Because they've trended so young, man. I, I don't think it changes day, day one or two. Um, and, and, and the proof is in the pudding. That, you know, Obviously, some of this is by virtue of where they were drafted. But they haven't had a problem getting these guys on the field. It's not as if you know them being young is what held them back in any way. Like Martin Emerson was great. He was, I think, turned 22 mm-hmm. during the season. Greg Newsom was more than ready to step in and play. Um, JOK was 22, I think, when he, when he got on the field. Uh, but, like, he, you even go deeper in the draft. Donovan Peoples-Jones was 20 when they drafted him, and he played as a rookie. Um, so, you know, you listen to Andrew Barry, and he, and he mentioned this twice, um, talking about how age really isn't a guardrail. Yeah. <laughs> how much of that is him trying to throw people off the scent? I don't know. But, like, there's one quote where he talks about how, like, being old doesn't necessarily – limit your, your ceiling and being young doesn't mean necessarily mean you have another one. I, I sort of look at the inverse of that based on what the Browns have done. And, and, you know, your thought process will be, well, if he's older, he's more ready to go based on how the Browns have drafted. The young guys have been largely ready to go in those early picks. So I don't think it's gonna be a problem. Now, when they get to day, day three, I think that becomes sort of the wild West a little bit. Now, 24 may still be a, a, a reach just because, you know, just historically, 24 is when, when things start going in a, a bad direction. <laughs> I don't understand whatsoever. Will McDonald to the Browns. Not only is he practically 24, he's 239 pounds. He tested at 239 pounds. And if you're saying, well, this isn't what he's going to play at, then why is he testing at that? That it comes off like a scam. So either he's a outside linebacker, which is fine, or he's yeah. sort of giving you sort of a bill of false goods and your testing numbers really don't mean much. So, I keep seeing it stylistically. I understand. I, I just don't see them going with that type of player at this point. And the other part of this whole thing, you come back to it, is why on earth would the Browns being better mean they draft with more sense of urgency to play now? It should be the inverse. If you're if you're bad, you should be more worried about getting rookies who can contribute right now because they're going to have to. Versus if you're a good team, you shouldn't need rookies to step in immediately and contribute. You should be able to operate like most franchises do where it's, they contribute in year two and year three, and they get that, that acclimation. They really fit, you know, what the, what this team does. I, I think it's bizarre that people have taken this into, well, I mean, they're good now, so they should draft more, more older players to, to jump in and contribute immediately when they shouldn't need that. No notes. I, I think that lays out the Will McDonald argument and also the misconceptions of guys being young, meaning they're not ready to go. You can have plenty of experience as a youngster. So, um, you know, and those guys who are older sometimes don't get to play till later. So it's all uh, it's all relative. And I think there's got to be a little more that you dig into. Uh, it's funny how these things on our <laughs> our board are falling pretty similarly. Go ahead with your pick 98. Yeah, so – this is where I think the sweet spot might be for them to pick a receiver. And I know everybody will go immediately go, Oh, well, Anthony Schwartz, whatever. 
it just again your 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 value at 42 versus your value at in this case 98 unless they move around i, I just don't know if it's gonna change that much it seems like maybe people are finally catching on to the fact that marvin mims is really good um and he's Been catching waiting up. on it man uh yeah. he's done everything you you're, you'd ask a guy to do um but the the other kid who's interesting and 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 obviously he ran a four three three at the combine. He's a track guy. Um, had a a very good year at Nebraska. Even though, like all of these guys, he has holes in his game with catches and and drop rate and some of these other things. But the thing that Trey Palmer has that that some of these other guys don't is he's bigger. Um, and and mm-hmm. people like to you know people will crap on Anthony Schwartz. That's fine. But part of the reason they liked him is because he's a bigger guy. He's six. He was six foot, one hundred eighty pounds. And so many of these guys are shorter and lighter. Like I have many many concerns with Tyler Scott. One of them was the fact that he is so light. At least he played that way. He weighed in I think one hundred seventy seven at the combine, which is good. But then didn't run run well. Um, but for all the things I sort of dismiss about playing the NFC North, I do think weight matters a little bit with this, but if you are 180 pounds and you can run a four, three, three, you are powerful. You are moving a lot of weight quickly. And I think Trey Palmer is again, I I would, I would call any of these moves like this, a shot play, which is what Schwartz was. (laughs) I think he may be worth a shot in that, in that same mold. And, and the thing with, the thing that really helps with Palmer is he's done most of his work out of the slot, which seemingly is where the Browns want to do this from having a guy who can work in the slot, but presumably he will be able to motion around, do some other things. Um, but, but partic- particularly being able to take a slot defender that may not be able to keep up with the speed and immediately put pressure on a safety from that slot position could open things up all over the field. Look, they have about, I think, nine receivers on their roster right now that are fast. Um, excuse, that's not including Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. They ha- they, they are, this is clearly important to them. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I think he's got enough to work with. It's at least interesting. His production checks out. His testing checked out. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I, 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 the comfort and the change he showed from LSU – over to Nebraska was just, it was really fun to see, man. They put him in all the right places and he, he can run, he can run and he's more than just a runner. He can go get it too, you know, at the same time. So uh, we're, you know, Pete and I aren't going to pick the same positions the entire time, I promise. But as he was talking, I'm scrolling through and I'm looking and I'm like, boy, I mean, a guy that I'd be interested at some point, if I'm really trying to address slot corners, Travis Hodges, Tomlinson, I like him a lot. He's very short in terms of the, uh, the wingspan and things of that nature, but, He's scrappy as hell, man. And you know, I know he's 23, but God, he's scrappy as hell. And like, I just think that you could solve a lot of some of the things you want with him. I'm interested in him. A.T. Perry ran a little bit better, like him. But if I'm taking a, a wide receiver that's opposite of what you're taking, I would probably on my side look into Parker Washington. Hasn't quite turned 21 yet. Not that that matters because if you go look at what he's done, the kid's played three full years. I mean, he's been on the field in every game that matters. To Penn State the last three years, diverse slot and outside uh, snap stuff here. We saw a lot of slot, but he started to expand the horizon a little bit last year. Exceptional catch point stuff from him. I like him. Again, big body. He's he's checking in at 215 here. He's, he weighed in at 205 
at uh, the combine. Now I need to see his testing data. I don't have any of that yet. And not many of these wide receivers, for some reason, I don't understand. Not many of them ran the three cone and shuttle when a lot of these guys could have really benefited from that, but we didn't get that. There's a lot of information on Washington. I don't have before I make a super educated choice here, but I just, again, I see he's a tough SOB who knows how to play inside uh, can really challenge in different roles and can move around. And I, I think I, I'd, I'd like him at this spot, um, preferably a little later, but I just don't think he'll stick around uh, all too much later. So um, I'll take I'll take him here at 98 and then shift uh, back over to you. I have a really hard time shaking the thought of how badly uh, Kevin Stefanski wants Cordero Patterson. Um he had him in Minnesota for a minute, mm-hmm. loved every minute of it. Parker Washington gives you a little bit of that because he's a running back body at wide receiver. Uh, and to your point, he's raw. It hasn't fully engaged at this point. He's not quite there yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Browns said, we love what he can be. We're going to take our time with him and, and sort of allow him to, like I said, Cordero Patterson is is the guy I think of that, um, this team continues wanting, and that's you know, even though they have completely different body types, I always thought that was sort of th- part of the thought process with Jakeem Grant. Parker Washington's far more comparable physically, and just if if he can deliver, it gives the thing the Browns really love having, which is size everywhere, but also a little yep. bit of quickness. All right, you're up, uh, 111. Yeah, and and I'm sort of where you were at in terms of I love this corner class. It's just really, really, really good uh, and tested out of this world. Um, and people will look and go, well, they've got Denzel Ward. They've got Martin Emerson. They've got Greg, Greg Newsom. Why are they drafting yet another corner? One, you can't have too many. And two, they've got to get somebody who's going to live in the slot um, they have guys who can do it. It's a matter of you need a guy who wants to do it too. Like you just gotta well, want to do it. That's a yeah, huge part. There, of there's it. that, and there, there there's also the element of who's going to get in there and make a tackle. Uh, yeah, and and that becomes a major question mark. Um, it's tough because Keetro Clark from Louisville um, is an outstanding prospect, but stunk as a slot corner. Um, you know, Daryl, Daryl lighter or looter junior from South Alabama did some good stuff. Like the guys that I'm sort of interested in, I probably don't need to take this early. Like Cameron Mitchell, even though he didn't play any slot corner either. Um, Jacorian Bennett and that's, you know, Maryland's corners were freaky this year. Uh, so, you know, for the sake of, I don't even know how old this kid is. Oh, he's 22 and a half. Um, getting a little size. That's the only thing I don't like about one. He's a mover. Yeah. That's the only thing I don't like about Trivius Hodges Tomlinson is he's just so little and little wingspans. I, I love that he's competitive and feisty. Um, but that's, that's tough for me. Whereas Jacorian Bennett's got a little more reach. Um, even though he, mm-hmm. you know, he's got, limited limited uh experience there he's thicker almost 200 pounds hopefully that means he's going to go in there and tackle um the only thing i don't know what am i looking at the only thing i don't like the one kid that sort of jumps out to me is dj turner from michigan and obviously people are going to overreact to his 40 that was he was supposed to do that 
Um, that did not make him better at football. He's really raw. Um, but if the Browns are intent with Jim Schwartz of saying, we're going to just play man a whole lot, he's a guy who can yep. at least turn and run with some of these guys. But uh, for the sake of this, I will go ahead. Dane Brugler noted him too um, as well. So, so it was a slot guy there. They, he he went 90 in my mock. I don't know where he went in years. But he went to Bennett at 90. or Turner? Uh, DJ Turner. Yeah. So, you know, I'll take uh, I'll take Jacorian Bennett from uh, Maryland. I like it. Good pick. Um, okay, so similar spot here in terms of what I'm what I'm looking for. Um, diverse secondary roles are certainly something I want to look into. Um, trying to also kind of pay attention to interior O line. Like I'm just. I know Ethan Postage is gone, man. Like he's he's definitely gone, and they're not going to pay him as they shouldn't. And yeah, we could go the route of going cheap there, not investing much there um, in terms of of high con, you know, high uh, draft value. I'm with that, but I'm watching it because Nick Harris coming back from an ACL and the way he uses techniques as the offense is shifting, and I I certainly see I've been pretty vocal about this thing shifting. Uh, Nick's Nick's uh, hop technique stuff and the torque on that knee is. Listen, it's something to be considering, and him coming back and being right. So I don't mind. I know Dawson Deaton's going to come back again. That's seventh round pick. You'll see if he's even a, a guy that is even something that remotely matters because he's also coming back um, <laughs> from an AC ACL tear in and of itself. But like, um, I just think here I'm, I'm I'm paying attention to most of these to an interior guy who I think can come in. So like. Um, also going to look at Tommy, the kid from Michigan, is fascinating to me. I think he's a fun player. I like what he did for them. I like how he peels on double teams. I certainly don't know if I'd be willing to spend 111 here, but I'm interested. I'm certainly interested. Um, the guy that I'm kind of – the guys that I like here, you mentioned Bennett. He was on my mind. Not going to take him. Colby Wooden's interesting. Inside, outside flex, 22. So, you know, he'll, he'll turn 23 not until the, after the season's over but he's played a bunch of different alignments for them. Interested in him, big body guy. Hadn't seen his testing total yet. Uh, Moro Ojimo here, well. who's uh, uh, good. I love to hear that. Uh, Ojimo tested really well also. And, you know, uh, a guy who produced for Texas. I know Keandre Coburn, um, a little bit more of a well-known name for that group, but he is an interesting player to me at this spot uh, when I'm looking at Kind of okay if I'm adding Sheldon Rankins, a little bit older, pushing thirty, maybe one year, maybe two year deal. Interesting. I like the fit. I think that's something that could be in place. He, he's a little lighter. He's a two eighty, but I don't well, watch him fair, play. At the, I don't, was, at the combine, he was two ninety three. That's a, that's a little bit better. <laughs> it's a little bit yeah. better than rushing up to two eighty. Because if you're rushing to two eighty, that means you ain't playing at two eighty. That's what I can. That's what I can tell you. And we're right. talking about Kalijah Cansey there a little bit. So I'm gonna go Ojimo here because again, I like I like. Adding something in the draft to D-tackle, I think that he's going to be a pass rush guy that they would like to uh, unleash, and they can kind of ease him in with some of the veterans. So I'll go Ojimo here, but I'm certainly eyeing some names uh, when we get to 126 uh, back toward the secondary. So jump back over to you. Yeah, Ojimo is interesting. Um, raw, but just has a lot to work with, and he's another guy tested really, really well. Um, I think he's pretty young. There's, you know, the two big 12 defensive tackles, him and uh, Deadman really, really tested well. Deadman's much older. Um, mm -hmm. So 126. I know people love Dorian Williams. Uh, to me, the problem, and this is the problem with the linebacker class, 
is after you get past Jack Campbell and Trenton Thompson and uh, Day and Henlon, they are all Will linebackers, every single one. And unless the Browns are planning to move one of their Will linebackers, that's the one spot the Browns are are fine. Uh, JOK is coming back, should be much better this year if they actually have a defensive line in front of him. And Tony Fields was good. Like, not great, but for what you wanted him to do, he was a good football player. Yeah. I like what I see from Dorian Williams on tape. I just I, – I worry about him doing dirty work. Like, he can run. There's no question he can run and he can cover. So, you know, maybe that's worth it on its own. But um, the guy that I'm surprisingly I, – I like more than I thought I would. I hate the safety class. I hate it. I can't stand it. Uh, it most of it is slow um, or old and not terribly athletic. Um, Ronnie Aikman didn't do anything at the Combine. And Ohio State safety play drove me nuts for the most part. But Hickman is actually pretty good. Uh, obviously, I got Juan Thornhill to play free safety in free agency. I think the Browns will be aggressive and get a free safety just to come in and start. Ronnie Hickman's more of a strong guy. I, I do think the Browns need depth. I think Ronnie Hickman can give you some some options in there. Certainly can come in and play on special teams. Um <laughs> Just upgrading that back end, giving them more options is critical. Um, so as much as I'm surprised, I didn't think I'd take one. I'm going to go ahead and take Hickman as a safety. I like it. Here's who I would have taken if I uh, didn't know he was going to – I was trying to play the board, man. I like Quan Martin. Tested as a safety. They list him as a corner. Just some yeah, otherworldly stuff in, in testing, man. Like he was a 44 vertical, like an 11-foot broad. He ran a 4-4-6. But if you watch his film, like – that's an that's an aggressive SOB. Like he plays a very physical brand of football. It hurts him sometimes, but he is not afraid to come up and play, man. Now again, it's ironic. I think I think PFF's starting to put together some good algorithms here where they say if you click on a guy too many times and don't pick him, we're gonna have the next two teams pick him, which would be kind of interesting because then it would be like, hey, we got we we know your draft board a little bit because some of these you can start to play the draft board. But um, anyway, back to the the, the slot I'm at. If I'm sitting here 126, Ivan Pace, another guy that I like, just for the flexibility of, like, this dude pin his ears back and get after people. He's fun. He's gone, though. Uh, Brandon Joseph's gone. Um, Riley Moss. Uh, Jay Brown, the, the Penn State kid, didn't run as well as I hoped he would, but he's an interesting player, although a little older. Byron Young also gone off the board at this point, too. So where I'm sitting at now, Trey Palmer on this one um, would be here. He's not – you're not going to run a 4-3-3 and have tape like Trey Palmer and be sitting here at pick 126, so I'm just going to ignore that one. Cam Jones, interesting linebacker uh, to me. You, you mentioned Ronnie Hickman. I've already mentioned Colby Wooden. The guy that I think I'd end up taking here, though, if the board laid out this way, is Hodges, uh, Hodges Tomlinson. Like I just think that the the value of a 126 guy who could be your nickel ball skills, again, shorter, but, again, he's got a lot of things I like. Now, Kai Charles Clark also here, too, I would be interested and him, um, he's ranked all the way down here at 147. Uh, not not necessarily a guy that I'm interested in um, quite yet, but but I think I, I would lean towards uh, Hodge Tomlinson at this spot for me, 126. Uh, I like a lot of what he brings. If you can get past like being a little afraid about some of the body type stuff, like you're looking at a player, the tape is is pretty damn good. So I, I'd be into him. And uh, 142 is up for we have these. Quick, I'll let you do 142 and 144. Great. Um, 
two picks uh, that I think one of which is getting traded, by the way. I think you would agree with that. Very possible. Um, you know, this could be a spot where they – this is round five. They could trade for a fourth-round pick next year mm-hmm. type, type deal. Um, so let me remind myself who I've picked. Yeah, the only thing I like about this this format is they don't let you quick check your team. you got to, like, scroll all the way through. Go ahead and read them off so people who uh, maybe don't know at this point can, can – uh, Eddie, Eddie Tamiwa, Edibore at 42, uh, Trey Palmer at 98, Jacorian Bennett at 111, and then Ronnie Hickman at 126. So, um, this, this is probably there, there's two, two, there's one position that really stands out for one of these picks, and it's running back. Um, I think the Browns have to get one. Um, you can decide. I should have mentioned that earlier. It's a great class. You can decide how much you believe in what the team is saying about Jerome Ford. Certainly, when I scouted him last year, receiving was the first thing, like the best thing he did. Um, so, the question I've had, and I'm not sure we know the answer to this, is if the Browns want to have if they want to run pistol do they want to dive back um do they want somebody who's gonna be that sidecar guy where you can give the ball downhill right now you gain a bunch of yardage or do they just want nick chubb and more receiving options to give more weapons to sean watson and i think that's an interesting question so like kendra miller is like the ultimate to me the dive back uh he's already been picked but just as an example Dwayne mcbride might be a dive back like that Whereas, you know, you know, I, I love Sean Tucker, even though I don't think the Browns are going to pick early enough to get him um, because of what he does as a receiver. And then if you get into some of these other guys, um, Chase Brown is certainly interesting, even though he's older personally at running back. I don't care. Um, I don't plan to have them that long. Um, you know, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn is fun. Keaton Mitchell is interesting here again. This is inter- you know interesting question. 170, 179 pounds. Um, what does that do to how the Browns in, intend to use a player like that? Does he become a motion out of the backfield, a jet, a orbit motion type guy, or are they not afraid? And are they going to say no? We're we're going to give him the ball and let him try to try to try to use his speed and quickness and, and all that to, to make a bunch of plays and, and make guys miss. Uh, interesting question. Um, you know, the difference between a guy like Keaton Mitchell and a guy like Chase Brown is, you know, 30, almost 30 pounds. So I'm and and Brown, I don't think he tested his brother, his twin brother tested out, out, out of this world. You'd like to think that he's going to test well um, for the sake of just seeing how this thing goes. I'm going to go with the more receiving threats um, style and go with Keaton Mitchell. He's interesting. I, I'm very curious. Uh, I would feel much better about him if, if a dome suddenly showed up tomorrow in Cleveland, but still <laughs> weapons are weapons. I, I love Keaton Mitchell, man. Very, very much in. Um, that that guy can flat out move. Uh, he's he's ridiculous. 
so I'm up on the other side of things here. A lot of similar names are available, um, names that I have kind of talked through. I wish, man, it'd be a fun player to take, Diaby Wood, if he wasn't old. He's old. Boy, did he test like a madman. Um, looking at other spots, of, I mean, Bryce Ford Wheaton, again, <laughs> older. Sure. I think he just turned 23. Um, I was looking today, I was trying to find his age and I know Philly, you asked me about him, like, boy, he can move man. And size wise, like he's got some drop stuff, little focus drop stuff that comes up, but he is, um, yeah, he's, he's a freak. Like you said, a, a really ridiculous testing performance running back, Eric Gray, Eric Gray, I like a lot out of Oklahoma, uh, did a lot of different things for Oklahoma. He was their inside zone guy can make people miss in space. More on the meat, a little more meat on the bone in the pass game than they gave him was dynamic and screen game stuff for them. So I do like him. Juice Scruggs, the Penn State center, is interesting if we're looking interior guys. Jalen Redman, again, like 142, 144. Another, you look at the top of the testing board, you're going to see him everywhere for, for defensive tackles. He was the most explosive player at the combine, uh, testing wise. So here, though, I, I think if I'm sitting here and I want to continue to expand linebacker and have options, if you followed the OBR drafts enough, you know I like Dorian Williams. You talked a lot about him, Pete. He's not, you know, he's not going to be a guy that comes downhill and he's going to thump you. I mean, that's not that's certainly not his game, but he can run, he can move, he can make plays in space. A lot of modern football stuff to his game. Um, and at this spot at 142, among some other backers, he's certainly a guy that I would be really interested in. So I'll take him at 142. You are did, – we didn't let you do 144. I'm an idiot. My bad. Go ahead with your 144. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of questions, you know, you mentioned how good the tight end class is and it's very athletic. It's another one of those things where so much depends on what the Browns want to do. You know, mm -hmm. if, if, if they seemingly um, I'm working under the impression, we're going to see a lot of what Bill Musgrave did, did at Cal, which is very interesting to me. Um, but Kevin Stefanski likes to have the ability to either spread you all the way out or get big and force you to change your defensive personnel completely. So theoretically, that would suggest that if the Browns want a tight end, they they might they might prefer to get an inline Y. However, um, you know they've been perfectly happy to get Fs in the past, and if they want to play more spread looks and whatever, they can get a guy who can block in space, um, can do some of those different elements. Um, and the one position where the Browns have been willing to go the small school route throughout, throughout, and this goes back to when Sashi Brown was, uh, running the show and Andrew Barry was his top Lieutenant. The one place they've been willing to take small school guys is, um, tight end. And, you know, I don't even know, you know, Zach Koontz started his career at a big school sort of washed out and ended up at old dominion where he's been, he's been good. Um, uh, but he's so much bigger than everybody else. I don't know how much you can take away from that, but nevertheless, he's a supremely gifted athlete. Um, I think he was the top tester of anyone at that position. He's got gigantic. The best tight end testing ever, like ever. Uh, if you, you add all the elements, so he's a 10 perfect rast score guy. So, yeah. So, you know, he's the type of guy that, you want to you want to take a shot on a, a supremely gifted athlete and see what happens? Sure, let's let's take a shot on Zach Koontz. 
Not going to hear me argue. I think he is going to be 24 by the start of the season, but we're in day three. I don't really care. Like, just give me good players. Uh, some lotto tickets here that I can use. So you go all the way to 190 next. So what you're looking at is a lot of guys who are going to be uh, very likely gone after you move off of them. So here for me, I'm certainly interested in getting a running back that I like for the sake of you took my guy Keaton Mitchell. I'll let it slide. He's fun. I really like him. I mean, I'm just going to take Deuce Vaughn. Listen, he's tiny, but can you create situations to get him the football in space and let him do what he does best? I think he's a fun gadget. Like, it's okay to have a gadget player that you pick in the in, in late day threes when you can actually use them. So find ways to use them. I think he's an excellent football player who can catch the rock. So I'm going to take Deuce Vaughn um, just for diversity because he's and he's not terrible between the tackles, man. Like. I, I, he's small, but he's powerful still for his size too. So uh, I have no issue taking him at that spot. And, and then, and then kind of, we'll see what uh, bumps down in here at one, uh, one ninety for both of us. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, you talked about center. Um, the, the benefit the Browns will have is that if he's not healthy right now, um, Nick Harris is going to be healthy pretty quick, or at the very least, the Browns will have a very good feel for where his knee is at and be able to make a good, uh, judgment on how they need to proceed from there. Uh, you know, obviously they at one point were more than ready to go with him as the dude, and then, um, seemingly, uh, Ethan Posick was so much better than they anticipated, but it's hard to know. Maybe they felt that good about, um, Harris. Nevertheless, it wouldn't surprise me at all if there's some super, you know, if the Browns can find somebody who basically goes, I want to be Ethan Posick and sign with the Browns for practically nothing and just benefit from being there and potentially uh, getting a contract that way. Um, but for the sake of our purposes, we didn't do that. And the guy I really liked last year, who I thought was going to declare and go early, and now he's back this year and su- available super late, is Ricky Stromberg. Arkansas. That's exactly uh, who I was going to pick. <laughs> and, and part of the reason I yeah. like him is is if the Browns are in more gun, I like that he's bigger. Um, I like that he's yep. – they've got him listed at 6'4", 318. Um, he's a little bit bigger than like a, a guy like Juice Scruggs or whatever. <clears throat> Arkansas was bad. I, I just don't know how much of that was his fault. Um, <clears throat> I think when Arkansas was better, he was better. Um, and, and I think – He's a guy that is potentially a depressed asset and could be a a nice pl- player. But plus, he's just played a ton of football, um, and I think there's certainly value in that. I'm taking him too. We're not going to even mess around with this, guys. I also consider Davis Allen tested pretty well for Clemson. He's got some moments that are of intrigue. Will Mallory is is a guy again who I just think is being sort of slept on in this class. Like I, I'm pretty sure he among many of these other guys, tested really well. But his his film is actually pretty fun, too, with a lot of modern NFL wrinkles, and in my opinion, uh, that, that make him a guy you can develop. His 240 is a little light uh, for what you want, but it tested really well, ran a 4.54. So if you're looking for a guy who can get out in space, move a little bit, uh, Mallory's interesting. Uh, otherwise, uh, getting out of just tight end, looking around. Fun question here was asked, Pete, which we'll answer in just a second. Um, about developmental quarterbacks. But at this spot, I mean, Jalen Redmond, again, is a guy I talked about. If I'm going to pick 190 and I can take the best athlete of position, I'm going to probably do it. 
some point. Redmond would be interesting to me. Moffey and Jake Andrews, the center out of Troy, had a nice senior bowl. I'd be interested in uh, him at that spot too. Uh, but again, for me, I, I just feel a little bit of the pressure if I didn't get Oluwatami earlier to take a center I feel like can actually play for us, has a real shot to play for us in his rookie deal. So that's the route that I go. And I think there's still going to be some, I mean, Eric Gray lasted and Mallory lasted. So yeah, you know which direction I'm going. Uh, but So I'll let you do your direction real quick. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of players. Well, that first are answer that. Answer that developmental question because that's that's an interesting question, or is it just that'd be a waste of a slot because they they're going to continue to use Kellen Mond? Unless the Browns change, or not the Browns, the league changes the rule on how many quarterbacks you can keep without impacting your roster uh, number. I I don't see a point in drafting one. Um, it's just impractical because ultimately you're going to cut them and, you know, you, you may find one and go, well, I can put on my practice squad. And then you get sniped um, by someone else and you feel like you wasted your, your time. Um, mm-hmm. A lot will depend on how they feel about Kellen Mond. It sounds like they're quietly optimistic about him. Um, and obviously, look, they don't have to change a thing from Deshaun Watson to Kellen Mond, which I think is, is really interesting um, in a world where, you know, guys go undrafted or whatever like Malik Cunningham is the guy I'm very intrigued by for the Browns as an undrafted free agent he's little uh but he's incredibly athletic uh he is inconsistent as a passer but if you're on your third string quarterback I don't care fake the ball and keep it and he can do that stuff and he's not a you know he's not a bad passer he's just inconsistent like at the senior bowl, you know, I was sort of pleasantly surprised with what he showed there or at the, even at the combine, some of the throws I saw him make there. Uh, he's a developmental guy. He needs time. Uh, like there, the one guy who's really popular with the Browns and the Browns interviewed him is, is, is Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he's going to go way earlier than people think uh, like round four. Um, and that's because the NFL seems to have caught on to the idea that playing a whole bunch of football matters and Dorian Robinson Thompson DTR has played 50 games at UCLA. He mm-hmm. may not be great, but if you're, if you are now trying to find the next Brock Purdy, he has that capacity to do that. He's just played a ton of football in an offense that you can sort of look to the NFL and go, okay, I, I can at least look at Chip Kelly's offense that he's running out and be like, all right, I can see it. Uh, so you know, like I said, I wouldn't draft him, but I like Malik Cunningham. I'm intrigued by Puka Nakua from BYU in part because yep. he's, he's a jet player for them. He did a whole bunch of jet sweeps, competitive player. He's in a similar boat as as Wilson from Stanford, just injuries. He never really popped off in college because he was hurt, um, but just showed a ton of talent. There's a bunch of these corners still sitting here, which is a little irritating. Um, defensive line is... Interesting, I suppose. Had I not picked Koontz, I'd probably pick Brenton Strange from Penn State. He's short. He's an F, but he was super athletic. Um, I think he's just a toolsy guy that can can do a lot of things, blocking space. There's a lot of fun things that I think he offers you. Teron Vincent is kind of interesting as as a project. I am not ruling out the possibility of taking Ethan Evans from Wingate is apparently like ridiculous punter stats. Um, See, he's interesting. Uh, So yeah, there's a whole bunch of these guys down at this, at this end of the draft. Um, 
it's it's also really tempting to take Trey Tucker. Sneaky good, and the Browns have had, and obviously not at a at a at a at a school the size of Cincinnati, but they've had this habit of taking like number two receivers from Power Five schools. Um, they did yeah. that with Michael Woods, who they you know have reason to be pretty excited about. Trey Tucker, to me, if you're able. I don't think he'll last this long, but if you're able to get him as opposed to like Tyler Scott in round two, I think you might win that one just on value. You know, Trey, Tyler Scott's probably a better player, but in just in terms of return on value, I think Trey Tucker has the ability to, to give you a lot um, for the pick. So it's all upside. I don't know if he is on your board. He did not last on mine, but um, uh, yeah, for the same reason. At like here again, you asked the question. If, Will McDonald is considered in the top 50, and he's about to be 24. Uh, why wouldn't Yaya Diaby, who's 270 pounds and and freaky, yeah. um, go much higher than than he's sort of been listed at? So I don't think, you know, as illustrated, he's not on either of our boards. I don't think he's going to last that long. Um, so, yeah. Other options, Darius Davis from TCU. He's just a burner. Did nothing but just runs. Endlessly, Tavian Thomas is a big power back. Um, hmm. Brandon Hill is the super old safety. Or, I mean, Daniel Scott is the super old safety who tested really well. I don't really care about that. He's going to be 25. Um, but for the sake of argument, let's see. I'll, 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 take, I'll take the punter. I'll take Ethan Wynn. I like it. Evans, I don't care. Long-term I, not, punter answer. I don't love – you know, he was fine. I, uh, but, uh, you know, save money where you can. They're dart throws, man. They're dart throws this late. Uh, you mentioned some guys. Uh, a lot of guys you talked about are kind of around on mine. Aubrey Miller's an interesting linebacker late if you needed one. DJ Dale, uh, sort of second fiddle, obviously, at Alabama. Uh, again, just just a dart throw type. Darius Davis. Carrington Valentine's a fun corner, but we already kind of overloaded there and took Hodges Tomlinson. Love Britton Strange. It's kind of like the, uh, the younger Hayward. Uh, that that uh, Pittsburgh took. Can't think of his name. Michigan State kid last year who I liked a lot. Um, trying to see who else. Yeah, pretty much the same board, man. Don't have to go crazy here. If this is the spot I haven't taken a tight end, if Will Mallory is sitting here, I do not expect him to be. If he is, uh, we would be more than happy to take him uh, with pick 231. So uh, I'll read my draft real quick, and then Pete will read his draft real quick, and we'll put a bow on this thing, man. Um, I don't need you to grade it. That's the annoying part. So on my side, B.J. Ojolari is my first pick at pick 42. More testing data needed from him. Same with Parker Washington, who I took at 98. Need to get the complete athletic profile on those guys. More Ojomo, uh, upside, three technique, pass rushing interior player. Travis Hodges Tomlinson is the guy I'm targeting, pinpointing for the slot. Eager, scrappy, like and ball skills. Dorian Williams. Linebacker to work with, special teams. I think it'd be a special, fantastic special teams player for them. True. Deuce Vaughn, 144. Again, I'm trying to find a guy who's lived in the gun and has done creative things out of the gun and can make people miss in space. And Deuce Vaughn can do that. Ricky Stromberg, you and I agree, both took him center down the line player. We think, he, hell, he could he could be an impactful player for them right away if he latches on to what Bill Callahan wants. And then lastly, I took tight end Will Mallory as a uh, – you know, seventh rounder, I don't think he'll be there, but he's very athletic and does some of the things I think you want your modern NFL tight ends to do. Over to your side, Pete. Read yours up. Yeah, I took uh, Eddie Tamiwa Adebowore 
uh, Northwestern. I don't know how true it is that the Browns really value the 10 since I always looked at that as sort of a dubious number because it feels variable as opposed to the broad jump, which is pretty consistent. Nevertheless, he was one of the mm-hmm. fastest, and if the Browns do care about that, um, he was just, he, he was the same as Will Anderson from Alabama. Uh, Trey Palmer mm-hmm. from Nebraska, another deep threat who can operate from the slot. Jacorian Bennett hopefully gives them another talented corner who can operate mainly in the slot. Ronnie Hickman, uh, just depth at safety. The Browns desperately need more depth there. They got very lucky last year when you know that Baltimore Ravens game was terrifying, and that was the closest they ever really came to having a problem uh, where John Johnson went out. Uh, Keith Mitchell from uh, East Carolina. He might as well call him a receiver. I don't know how much running back he's really going to play, but he's just a, a guy who you can do all kinds of interesting things with. Zach Koontz, the tight end from Old Dominion, is just a freak. Uh, Ricky Stromberg, big 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 center from Arkansas, and then Ethan Evans, punter from Wingate. Love it. Fantastic. Some questions before we get out the door. How many players do you see sticking on the final roster from this year's draft? I'll let you answer that first, Pete. Go ahead. Um, hard to know without seeing what they do, um, but – it wouldn't surprise me if they end up cutting a, a six or seven, but to this point, at least out of the gate, they don't do that. Um, they are pretty staunch at, you know, whether that's warranted or not um, keeping guys that they drafted and, and to their, to their credit, like Isaiah Thomas was a seventh round pick and, and, and made it worth their while to keep him. So, um, you know, we'll see if they start taking guys in positions that are weird. Like if they take, you know, two wide receivers or, or something like that. But so far they've been pretty good about keeping all their guys better for better or worse. Well, that's the next question here. Um, it seems to keep his picks. Is that trend? Um, I, listen, that's been a very popular topic. I know how last year when they, who did they cut? Um, safety. I think of his name, Georgia kid off the top of my head. Um, Anyway, that's the first draft pick that Andrew Barry had cut that he made. But you got to go back. Like the John Dorsey group did not build depth at the bottom of the roster. Now Andrew Barry, I think, has done a better job of that. So I do think you start to see some of his guys cut because you just can't keep all of them. So I think that you're like, well, why are they keeping Richard LeCount? Good call. Um, why are they keeping all these guys? Well, you know, they they they're trying to build depth too at the bottom of the roster at the same time and. I think now they're in a much better position in that one than they have been. So I, I do think you're going to see some guys moved off of now more than we've ever seen from, and again, you just keep drafting. Eventually you got to cut your guys, but like, you know, I just think there's less hesitancy than before, in my opinion. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Pete. Well, just in terms of Barry keeping his picks, uh, I look, I, I, I think the Browns are in the mindset of we gave up, all these picks for Deshaun Watson. We need to get some back. Obviously, they did that last year. Um, they traded down from you know the second round and got a couple picks. And you know Martin Emerson more than paid off. You know you could if if you got Martin Emerson's production from that second round pick, you'd be thrilled. So mm-hmm. you know we'll see what the other two do. Ultimately, you know I think the Browns have big plans for David Bell, but um, you know we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I do think the Browns want to get more picks, particularly for 2024 and maybe 2025, because 2024 is the one that took the biggest hit 
in terms of trading assets for uh, for Watson and the Brown. Look, the Browns' mentality is more swings, more swings, more opportunities to hit. Um, so you know, we've we've talked about it here. Forty-two to ninety-eight is a very long dip. The Browns are pretty comfortable picking anywhere, but um, they like having flexibility. They're not afraid to trade up, down, wherever. Um, you know, the only the only wild card here is 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 there a player involved this time? I don't think so, um, but you never know. I mean, maybe there, there's somebody that they decide that, to move off of this year for more draft <laughs> draft assets that they haven't done in the past. But you you mentioned it. This will be Barry. This will be Barry's fourth draft. Um, at some point now, you've drafted. You know, if you average just seven picks a year, and I think they're over that. You're at 28 guys. That would be over half your your roster. Um, they've certainly added players from other places than that. So you're going to have to start uh, moving off of guys you brought in and 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 making room for new guys and and seeing you know hopefully uh, improvement overall. Fantastic. All around, Pete. No more questions. I see we're going to get out of here. I will post both of these mock drafts for you to see uh, over at the OBR's Twitter. Uh, thanks for being here. About 60 of you guys hung out. We appreciate that very much. Uh, always appreciate you supporting us and then uh, obviously continue to support Pete over at SI Browns Digest. Uh, he's doing fantastic stuff over there. So, Pete, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me. That's it for today, guys. Check in with us tomorrow. There will be OBR Weekly, Barry and, um, Barry and Fred. So check that show out and continue to check out the daily draft content we'll put up for you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Go Browns. Go Browns.